Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you. Merry Christmas to you. And I know we're entering into that Christmas season where some of you will be in and out visiting family, but we're glad that you're here. And if you're one of our guests who are here today, as Kevin welcomes you in this room, Scott in the other room, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And we are continuing in a series in First Peter. We took a break from the Word of God last week as far as the teaching of the Word. We sung the Word of God last week and worshiped Christ in our Christmas time together as a congregation. It was a wonderful, wonderful weekend. So we're going to finish up this week and next week, try and tackle the end of this remarkable book from Peter to a bunch of believers scattered up there in what is now modern day Turkey. So turn there now, First Peter chapter 5 this morning. First Peter chapter 5, we're really going to concentrate on the role of a shepherd. And Peter is speaking specifically to fellow elders or to pastors, pastors in this region who are pastoring these congregations, probably small congregations, probably meeting in homes, but now as he addresses all of these congregations in this letter as they hear him writing, now he's going to zero in right to the pastors themselves. So it's a word to your pastor this week and a word to our pastors, but really the word of God is for all of us and it does have something to say to us. And so this morning, before we dive into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, here's what I want to do. I want to show you a video. And it's a video that is fun, and, uh, but it's real honest. Because what it does, it speaks to uh, the expectations of a pastor. The expectations that sometimes congregations put on a pastor, sometimes the expectations that we ourselves put on pastors, and it's a video, it's in the form of a press conference that a certain pastor, and I put that in quotations, a certain pastor had one day after a Sunday morning sermon. So let's go into this press conference as this pastor meets the press. Let's go ahead, let's roll this. I just feel like we need to clean up some unforced errors. That's it. I mean, I walk out on stage and my mic's not on. I mean, that's just a simple thing we talk about in staff meetings and we practice during the week and then on Sundays we can just can't perform. I mean, I don't know what you more you want me to do. I feel like I close my sermons the same way every Sunday. As I close, the worship team's gonna come out. Does the worship team come out? No. I feel like I finished strong, honestly. I just got to get back and take a look at some of the film, get some things for my sermon corrected for next week. I mean, attendance was down, so I feel like that hurt my confidence a little bit coming out of the gate. But, I mean, from a number standpoint, we did okay. looks like we got uh, five applause breaks. We got three amens and one mmm preach. So, like, I mean, from a numbers game, I feel like we're doing well. I just got to do a better job. I mean, I'll take responsibility for my sermon. It wasn't the best thing I've ever done. I had a hilarious story about my kids to start, but then honestly, the scriptural tie-in was not great. I mean, I'm just not comfortable performing in this system. We're doing an eight-week sermon series. Honestly, it should have wrapped up at about five. We're doing this like Stranger Things spinoff called Jesus is a Life Changer Things. Yeah, grammatically, it literally doesn't even make any sense. I mean, I'm a little banged up. I got a sore throat. I'm not 100% either, but I don't, I no excuses. I knew I needed to come out here and perform on Sunday. I mean, who else is going to preach? The youth pastor? 
Absolutely not. I mean, last time I had that guy preach, he was quoting Chance the Rapper lyrics. I mean, we just can't have that. I mean, we're we're doing a good job as a team getting plenty of people to come forward for prayer. We're just not getting salvations. We're not getting the conversions when we need to, bottom line. If anybody has any questions, uh, I'll take those now. Just slip your hand up all over this room. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you never knew us pastors what we go through after a Sunday morning, do you? There you have it. But you should notice the expectations there that can be on pastors. And we do it to ourselves, and congregations put it on us, and the culture, the religious culture around us, makes us the focal point of these things, whether to perform well or whether to produce results. And these things are foreign to the Scriptures. And we see that in 1 Peter chapter 5, where really Peter zeroes in to elders or to pastors about really one main task that they have. And obviously, we know that pastoring is more than just one thing, but there's a main thing. And then the motivation behind it. And we simply want to try and touch on that with some application today to help you as I attempt to lead you and shepherd you well. So 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your place in this room and in the other room, for those of you in the modern worship service, welcome to our preaching time this morning. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. 1 Peter 5 verse 1, let's stand for the reading of the word this morning. And we're going to read, really, the first five verses of this paragraph as Peter speaks to shepherds and to pastors. Verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word this morning. So here, here's the context in which, pre, which Peter is really preaching to shepherds, to preachers. He has just walked us through a section in which he talks about the suffering that the church endures and the judgment that must come to the house of God first. So suffering and judgment purify the body of Christ. Suffering and judgment purifies us as individuals. It purifies a marriage. It purifies a family. Suffering and judgment purify a congregation. So Peter says, okay, elders, as you yourself are purified through your suffering. Many of these elders could be on the front lines of persecution. As you elders or pastors suffer and as judgment begins with you. Peter may be thinking back to the Old Testament, to the prophet Ezekiel, when he puts in that line that, that judgment must begin at the house of God. Some commentators believe that in that same 
word from the prophet that there is this word to pastors or to shepherds or to the elders of the Jewish faith saying that judgment must begin with you, elders and pastors. So Peter says, in light of all of this, judgment and suffering, I'm addressing you now. So that as you shepherd the flock, you know how to deal with suffering and judgment. And then you know how to deal with the suffering and the judgment that comes upon your people. And so he begins, I exhort you, elders, as a fellow elder. Peter has a connection with these pastors or with these Elders. There are a couple of words in the New Testament signifying the same office of a church leader. There are elders. There are pastors. That's where uh, this word for shepherding the flock. We get our word shepherding from. Uh, we get our word pastor from shepherding, exercising oversight. Peter says. We get our word for bishop from that exercising oversight. So we have elder, pastor, bishop, all within the same verse or two there. <clears throat> The same implication is this. You who are leading the church and those who are leading through the preaching of the word of God in particular, I exhort you as a, <clears throat> excuse me, as a fellow elder. He doesn't exert authority over them in the sense of elevating himself above these elders, <clears throat> excuse me, but he sees himself as one of them. I'm one of you. I've been given this incredible task by Jesus himself to feed the flock. I've been given this incredible task by Jesus to care for the sheep. And I don't lord over you as I speak to you, but I'm one of you. And then secondly, I, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I've seen Christ opposed in his life. I've seen him in his death. And I bring with it by my seeing this authority, shepherds, to speak to you. But I also bring with it an understanding that as you as a church suffer and as you as a pastor suffer, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I love the voice that Peter speaks to us who are shepherds and who are pastors. He speaks to us as one of us suffering with us. But then he says this, you are uh, going to partake in the glory that's going to be revealed. Just not pastors, but everybody. We see this all throughout the book of 1 Peter, that from the very beginning, Peter says, this place is not your home. You are going to receive one day. You are going to share. Not those of you who are sharing in the suffering of Christ right now, you're going to share in the glory of Christ one day. This is what we have to look forward to. He's always pointing ahead. So Peter says, in that light and in that good news of what is to come and in that understanding that I'm walking with you, you shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight over them. You as a shepherd, you are to feed the flock. You're to care for the flock. You're to protect the flock. Those in the first century would understand well this imagery, this picture of a shepherd. And Peter gets it really from the Old Testament where they also understood what it means to shepherd a flock, to see these shepherds as they lead sheep, as they walk them through the, the valleys, as they walk them through the fields, and as the sheep eat, and as they drink, and as they care for them, and as they grow, and as they, they mature, and as they protect, and as they guard, and as they heal, and as they clean, 
And Jesus looks on those around him as, as a shepherd. He looks on them as, as sheep that are longing for direction and leadership and protection and care. And in this imagery, Peter says, shepherd the flock that is among you. Now, here's what I believe the primary task of a shepherd is. There's many things shepherds can do. There are many ways in which shepherds oversee the care of the flock, But I truly believe there is one primary way or one primary responsibility of your pastor, and that is to feed you with the nourishment of the Word of God. Shepherd the flock that is among you. Where do you get that? Well, Jesus, before he left, said this. He says, I'm going to leave you, the disciples, I'm going to leave you with a a couple of things. Number, number one, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. I'm going to leave. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to help you, and he's going to comfort you, but he's going to guide you into all what? Into all truth. I'm going to leave you one another. You're going to form into this incredible body, this incredible unit, this organization that, that, that is really a living organization that is to resemble me. And it's, it's my body, the body of Christ. And you're to love one another. You're to, you're to care for one another and you're to fellowship with one another. And by this will all people know that you are indeed my disciples by the way that you what? You love one another. I'm going to leave my body. I'm going to leave one another with you. But then he says this, I'm going to leave you my truth. I'm going to leave you my word. These words I have spoken to you. He, he prays to the Father, Father, I, I've given them your word so that they can be sanctified by the truth, so that they can be brought up in it. They can grow up in it. They can be purified by it. They can become like me through the spirit, through the body, and through the word of Christ. And so the responsibility, as we see laid out from Christ all the way through the New Testament, the responsibility of the shepherds, their primary job is to feed the people with the life-giving, life-transforming, powerful word of Christ. And as we do so as shepherds, you grow and you mature. Thought number one right from our text this morning is this, pastors... Pastors have this responsibility to mature believers through the feeding of the word of God. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. He gave them to the body to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the gift of apostles and teachers and evangelists and shepherds and pastors, the gift that is given to the church is primarily to grow and mature the body of Christ until it looks like Jesus. That's my job. And we do so as shepherds through the word. Peter, when he met Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has been resurrected, and Jesus had gone up into Galilee to meet with his disciples, and and they, they gathered together there, and Peter is coming off 
what was an awfully difficult time in his life in which he denied Jesus. You remember that? He denied him three times, and he ran from the cross. He ran from the crucifixion. And then Jesus comes to him, and he calls him close to him, and he restores him, and he puts him to a place of leadership within the inner circle and within the disciples because Peter would be the leader of the early church. He would stand up at Pentecost and he would preach and he would be, he along with James would lead the early church. But he, Jesus calls him close to him and he doesn't give him all these things to do. He doesn't give them a, a whole litany of, of responsibilities and duties to carry out. He looks at Peter and three times he says to Peter these words, Peter, here's your responsibility. Feed my sheep. I long for them to feed on the word of God. So Peter, feed them. Give it to them. Give them the words of life so that they can become like me. And this is my job, and this is my passion, and this is my calling for you. This, 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 this passage has become so wonderful to me because it's challenging as we get to the motivation behind it, but it's also affirming and understanding that my job to you is not to perform, as you saw in the press conference, is not to produce all these results. That's not my job. My job to you is to give you the word of God and allow you to be equipped with it on your own so that you can feed and so that you can grow and so that there can be unity and so that the power of Jesus begins to pulsate through your mind and through your heart through his word and the purpose of Jesus Christ begins to flow outside of you and into your marriages and into your families and into your communities because the word of God can do this and this is what I long for you. And here's, here's, the, here's the danger. Here, here is, here is where I think a need is in the church. Just not tailors. Believe me. Just not tailors. But here is where a need is in the evangelical church across the board. Here's what we do as churches. And we're responsible for this, okay? Pastors are responsible. Here's what we do. We allow churches and we have allowed religious activities to replace engagement with the word of God, and we find ourselves exhausted. Sometimes the word of God is neglected. The word of God in our calendar remains on the shelf. The word of God in engagement with it on our own or with other people is something that is that is put to the side and in its place are all kinds of activities and exercises and things that are good. I never would want to criticize anything that is good in which God has called you to do a certain thing. But here's the thing. If we substitute religious activities and exercises for engagement with the word of God, if we don't elevate the word of God above those things, here's what can happen, we find ourselves sometimes absolutely exhausted in the number of activities and things that we do. Churches have done this. We have allowed religious duty to replace the application of the word. And so we find ourselves moral people, but not necessarily Christ-like. If we as a church and if we as followers of Jesus say, here are the duties that God has given us to do, and check, 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 and we go down that list. 
And if that is our sustenance, if that is our life, if that is our aim and that is our ambition, not only do you get really, really tired, but then we can become very, very moral. On the outside, we can see some sort of behavior develop, but on the inside, in our minds and in our hearts and in our attitudes and love for the body of Christ and for one another and in our desire to see lost people around us become uh, become introduced to Christ if there is not the word of God saturating and filling and shaping then our hearts and our minds are totally given over to concentrating on becoming moral and good on the outside But on the inside, we're cold and we're hard and we're rigid towards one another and towards the lost. Churches also do this. We allow religious information to replace biblical transformation. Now listen, we find ourselves filled with biblical knowledge but our lives and the lives of those around us have changed very little. And I say this with great, great love, church. In this room, as I look at your eyes in that room, as I look through the camera, I say this with great, great care and love. If we don't engage in the word of God for its application and for its transformation in our lives, here's what can happen. The storing up throughout the years of biblical or of religious information can just sit there and it can cause us to have a false sense of security that since we have all this information stored up, since we know all the Bible studies, since we've walked through them all, since we, we know, we've listened to all the podcasts, since we've done all of these things, then therefore we are okay. But let's not have a false sense of security because of the biblical knowledge that we have, which can lead to a form of arrogance, which can lead to a form of elitism. But instead, let's take in the word of God in such a way where its engagement begins to shape our minds and our hearts and totally transforms us as people. When is the last time that you have seen change in your life? When is it? And is it because the word of God is dwelling in you richly, as Paul wrote to the church in Colossians? So here's the danger. So you say, Pastor, okay, what are we going to do? I I, want to engage with the word of God, maybe you're saying, or or maybe I engage in church and I want to engage in a different way. So, Pastor, what are we going to do? Great question. Here is what I'm excited about. I want to introduce to you this morning. It is this, in 2018, In 2018, we're going to begin a walk through the word together. And here's how that's going to work. From the pulpit, every single week, I'm going to be preaching from passages that I'm going to encourage you to read every single week. In fact, you have in your bulletin here, our folks have worked hard this week on this, in your bulletin, go ahead and get it out. And I want to show you this. On the inside flap, I want to show you where we're headed. And we're going to be reading together in the year 2018 as a church through a plan called the F-260. 
It's called that because it's 260 passages that take us from Genesis to Revelation in an overview of the Scriptures. And so every single week, you have five passages to read, roughly about uh, two chapters a day. You get two days off to make up when you fall behind. Five five readings throughout the week, and then as you read through the week, I'm going to step into the pulpit, and I'm going to be reading with you. I'm going to be walking through Foundations 260 with you. I'm going to be leading my D group throughout these passages as well. We're going to be reading together. I'm, I'm praying that some of you, maybe in your life groups, will begin maybe following along with this in some form or some fashion, holding one another accountable, enjoying walking through the Word together in some way. D groups as we walk through this. But then as we go through week one, for example, January 8th, Monday, January 8th is week one. And you read through Genesis 1 and 2 and then 3 and 4, 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and Job and in the book of Job. When I step into the pulpit on Sunday the 14th, the following week, you having read the passages, I'm going to step in and preach one of those passages. And then we're going to do it again the following week. And I'm going to step into the pulpit and preach from one of those passages. And week by week by week by week, as you read through the scriptures. As you begin to journal, we give you some tips there at the bottom. How do I, how do I read the word of God? There under, under the sample here entry is a simple way for you to understand how do I study the word of God. You, you highlight a text, you explain it, you apply it, you respond to it. And in your journal, we're going to have these available. Now, we're going to sell these for $5. They cost a lot more than $5. But we're going to have journals available beginning next week, Lord willing, if the shipment comes in and all your Christmas presents don't get in the way. When the shipment comes in, Lord willing, we'll have these so that you can begin on Sunday morning to follow with me. And then when you go into your personal time with the Lord, you can begin writing so that at the end of 2018, you have not only walked with the pastor and the word, but you have walked with Christ and his word together. And what a 2018 it could be. That's just one way we're going to do it. Here's another way. is our discipleship groups. Our discipleship groups are based on F260. This is what we do. Three men, three to five men, three to five women. For the last 52 weeks, some groups have been meeting as we go through this very plan that you'll have the privilege of being a part of. And here's what's different about going through the word of God with a discipleship group. I can preach it. You can go through it individually. In your life groups, as your life group leader stands up and teaches the word of God, you can sit there and you can drink that in and you can, you, you can be changed by that. But here's what's special about a discipleship group, and it's this, that in a sermon or in a life group, you don't walk as intimately and as deeply with individuals as you do with those people every single week. You don't get to know their hurts and you don't get to know their their families you don't get to know their struggles you don't get to know the ups and the downs you you don't get to see listen you don't get to see how the holy spirit takes the word of god in their lives and begins to bring it together around a table or in a living room 
or in an office conference room, and the Holy Spirit of God begins to speak to those individuals. And speaking together, we see what Jesus wanted to do when he left his spirit and he left his body and he left his word, and we begin to see life change. I want to give you a video. I'm going to show you a video now of one of the guys in my discipleship group. And I've grown to love these men because every single one of them has brought something throughout this past year in which the Holy Spirit working in them and working through his word has given instruction and challenge and encouragement and support to this pastor. And it's a joy to walk with them. And I want you to experience the joy of a D group as well. So watch this testimony before we wrap up this morning. Hello, my name is Bobby Cox. I'm a member of Taylor's First Baptist Church, of course. I've been uh, a member of about two years, my wife and two kids as well. We're from the area and, and we moved back about two years ago. We're just looking for a church to partner with and to serve in the community. And, and Taylor has really fit that. And it was a great opportunity to take it to the next level with the D group. And got to know Pastor Paul very well and another uh, a neighbor and a fellow uh, church member, Tim Griggs, who decided to form a D group. And then Bruce Lee joined us as well. It was just a great opportunity to grow with uh, fellow believers, uh, three other men to kind of dive into the word and, and share our challenges and and uh, successes throughout the week. First off, we kind of get caught up, kind of catch up with what happened the week before, kind of share what's going on and really pray for each other, whether it be family matters or challenges in our workplace. We have assigned readings throughout the week for about five days that and we all are reading the same thing. And we come together and we concentrate on a, a verse that really stood out to us, that really spoke through us in the Holy Spirit and, and share that, that um, thought, that kind of nugget of wisdom with each other. I've done the litany of different studies, whether it be a topical study or uh, subject-based, whether it be marriage or family or, um, you know, ambition or things like that. Where, And I've done only several studies that are totally just God's Word. And so it's great to get back to the source. It was great just to, that's all we're doing is reading God's Word and what is God's Word speaking to us. I think if, uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you kind of go through these seasons of times where you're really diving into the Word. You're in a very good routine, um, and you're just, just really getting a lot out of God's Word, and there's a lot of accountability. But as I came into this one, you know, we all you know, are part of a life group as well, and you could have 20-something people in a life group. So, so at times, you can be on autopilot, which is good and bad, but, uh, but we, when you get into a group of uh, three other men, you can't be on autopilot. You gotta be all in and be focused on what's going on. So there is that kind of um, challenge uh, and it can either motivate you and at times scare you, a little bit of both. And so it was just a time where you really kind of have to make sure that you're, um, you know, at times let your walls down. You know, if anyone's considering a D group or, you know, reaching out, it may seem daunting for a whole year. That's a big commitment. But if you take it a week at a time, anytime you spend time with fellow believers, growing up with one another in the word it is time well spent so i would just say if any of you are interested in walking with us beginning in january meet me in the welcome center right over here and we'll be glad at the conclusion of our service to share with you the next steps beginning in 
2018. Quickly, let's finish our at least a portion of our text this morning. Look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock among you, uh, God that is among you, exercising oversight. But look at these three ways, and here's the motivation. Secondly, pastors model Christ-like motivations and actions. We mature believers through the word, but we model Christ-like motivations and actions. Here is where we see Christ at work in the lives of shepherds, not under compulsion. How do you do so? Not under compulsion, but willingly. In other words, the pastor or the shepherd is to offer himself willingly and wholeheartedly on behalf of his flock. Not because he has to, or not because he's been appointed or assigned a role, but because he willingly wants to give himself to his people. Secondly, eagerly. He's to do so eagerly and not for shameful gain. The model of a pastor is one who is not in the ministry for the sake of what he will receive financially, of anything that he'll receive to to, to boost his reputation or his income, but the text says that not for dishonest or shameful gain. And so he is to eagerly be generous. He is to eagerly give himself with generosity, his life. And, and he is not to, not to look to, to make money or to be dishonest in any way with the people's money, with the, with the sheep, what they give to Christ, but he is to eagerly be generous with himself. And then thirdly, he's not to domineer over the flock. Here, here's the challenge from Peter to this pastor, to those of you who are pastors, to those of you who are shepherds, to those of you who are church leaders, you're not to domineer, he says. You're to model Christ who warned his disciples in Mark chapter 10. He said, listen, the Gentiles, they have a way of leadership in which they domineer and lord over their people. They have ways of exercising politically or, or with their words or with situations where they exercise power in a way to get what they want by using the people given into their care. Jesus says that's not how you're to shepherd. You're to shepherd, not domineering, not threatening, but instead... The power that you have as a shepherd is in the humble sacrifice and service that the people can see. And this is the charge to your pastor. And you need to pray for me and pray for your fellow ministers that we mature you, but we also model out Christ and his service, and his love for us, and his love for you. Finally, thirdly, pastors focus on the reward of the chief shepherd, not the measuring sticks of people. Listen to what he says. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, I've never been much for trophies. I mean, I, when I received a trophy, I, I would accept it well, but they've never really f floated my boat, so to speak. I, I've never really, um, you know, entered into a, a sporting event or an activity 
for the trophy itself. For some, that's something that they really, really enjoy, something that they aspire to. I've never really, really been like that. So whenever, I'm going to be honest with you, whenever in the scriptures, whenever the scriptures talk about crowns and things like that, I'm, I'm just being honest, I, I, you know, they're tangible things that I just don't get super excited about. But when you come to this verse, and it's a reminder to shepherds, and it's a reminder to pastors among the flock, that your focus is to be on the chief shepherd. Now, our focus can get out of whack. Our focus can be all over the place. Our focus can really be centered upon what people say or what people do or the measuring sticks, as you saw in that wonderful press conference at the beginning of our time this morning, the wonderful measuring sticks that we put on ourselves or what other people put on us. But this is absolutely liberating because here's what it says. It says, shepherds, look for the chief shepherd that when he appears, you will see him and he's bringing something with you. He is going to bring a crown. He is going to bring a crown that is so glorious that it doesn't fade away. My mom and dad in their closet, in the bedroom, in my bedroom, in my old closet, they have trophies that are fading away. They look really, really old and dated. But Jesus is going to bring a crown one day that will not fade away because it is a reflection of his glorious image, but it is a reflection of his faithfulness. And so I humbly ask you to pray for your pastor, to pray for your ministers, the shepherds of the flock, that our focus will be on Christ, that our focus will be, yes, on caring and protecting and tending and healing and loving you. But at the end of the day, our hearts and our minds will be stirred by the motivation that the chief shepherd who shepherds the sheep, that shepherd the sheep, will reveal himself and say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I can't wait for that day. Will you pray with me right now? Father, on behalf of the ministers and the shepherds of this flock, I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them through this word this morning. And Father, I pray that we would, as ministers and as shepherds, we would see Christ in a new light this morning. And that we would see him coming in that day. That day in which he returns. And he brings something so glorious. This reward that is a, a reflection of his faithfulness. And a reflection of his sacrifice and service. But a reflection of his glory. That for the ministers of this body. I pray that they would see that day. And that they would rejoice. 
and for your people, Lord. I pray that your people would feed on the word, Lord. The, the worthiness of our calling is that we, we get to give the word of God to our people. And so I pray your people would respond. That as they see their shepherds leading them to the word of God, that they would not be prideful or stubborn, that they would not be fearful or uncertain, but they would come and that they would eat and they would drink of the life-giving, powerful word of Christ. So, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness this morning, but thank you for your love and faithfulness through Christ down through the ages. And we commit ourselves to him pray this prayer in his name. Amen. And amen. Will you stand with me now as we close up our time this morning with this wonderful song of commitment. I have decided to follow Jesus. You sing it. If there's any decision that you need to make, a very tangible decision, maybe for church membership or maybe to be baptized or maybe to pray with one of the ministers, we're down front here. You go ahead and step out with great courage and we'll meet you with great love and great compassion for you. But for the rest of us, let's continue to worship this morning as we sing together.